This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me. And she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tonished Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. It's 30 years of Alliance supporting the leagues, and we're not done yet. Only the leagues, only the Alliance leagues. The Alliance leagues are back for yet another year, and so is the Throw In podcast. We'll be with you every Monday up through the football and hurling leagues until the final day. And I'm delighted to have Michael Rennie back with me for yet another year. Michael, how are you? How's it going, Well, I hope you're well, Richard, because it's going to be a bit of a wham-bam, thank you, ma'am, job over the next four or five months. Uh, it'll be every, every every week, fairly non-stop, so I hope you have a good pre-season done. Yeah, no, I know, it's funny, it feels so long ago since we've been here ch- chatting GAA, I, I think early September was the All-Ireland Final, and God, society has changed so much since then, uh, let alone the GAA world, but uh, it's great to be back, you know, uh, even the preseason competitions this year, teams were putting a very strong side. It shows how seriously this league is going to be taken over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, there's no, there's no real time to rest over the over the next while. Everything is just going to run into each other. Um, just part of what you said there as well. Just having crowds back. I was down in Ennis last Sunday for the Munster hurling league final. Eight thousand people there. John Kiley remarking after like that he was shouting instructions at players that are 20 yards away and they couldn't hear like that's you know it's a great problem to have again having that buzz back and I think there's a massive thirst uh, for fans to go to games again and just get involved in it having probably had to sit back for so long so hopefully we're back to back to some type of normality and we'll have huge crowds at games again and like that's that's what it's all about the build up to it and then the anticipation of going and then going to games and like we start off. We start off with a couple of monster games this weekend as well. So there's so much to look forward to. Yeah, well, we're delighted to be joined by Colin Keys and Martin Bratney in just a few minutes on the Throne Podcast in association with Alliance. But first, Michael, I suppose I have missed our Monday morning check-in in the state of Offaly GA and Offaly football. I suppose given it's our football preview, you're talking about the buzz being back. The boom is back in Offaly. We have Tomas O'Shea on the sidelines assisting John Mahon this year. The Shane Lowry factor. It must be a pretty exciting time. Yeah, and Glen Isk have come on board now as well as a sponsor for over the next five years too. Um, just like to pay tribute to Carol Cuisine or Carol's Meats or whatever, you know, the many different names that it's been called, but they've been involved since 1991. I think it's the long, it was the longest uh, serving sponsorship deal with, with any county and it's great to have Glen Isk on board and the boom definitely is back and it, it looks like people want to want to buy into Offaly GA again and there's a lot of things happening under Michael Dignan's stewardship we obviously had Christy Ring success last year, promoted to Division 1 in Ireland, promoted to Division 2 in football. St. Rhinus Camogie won the Club All-Ireland recently. The under-20s won the All-Ireland last year. Um, it's an exciting year ahead. It's going to be tough for the footballers, as I'm sure we'll get into uh, with the two lads in the next couple of minutes. But 
definitely hope springs eternal anyway that the future is bright. There might be a couple of setbacks maybe in the short term, particularly with the footballers going up uh, to Division 2, which is you know, a really, really difficult division. But definitely uh, a lot of opti- optimism around Offaly anyway, without a doubt. Yeah, well, it's time to get straight into it, I suppose. Now we're delighted to have Colin Keyes and Martin Brenny, which is for our Allianz Football League preview. Welcome back to the show, guys. Thanks very much, oh, Will. Yeah, it's an interesting year, Martin. I might go to you first. For the first time since 2015, Dublin won't be entering a league campaign as the reigning All-Ireland champion. So with this you know, slightly changed landscape, what's the kind of big talking point for you going into a new league campaign? Well, it does change the landscape, man, because now Dublin are no longer ahead of the, 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 the pack. They're in the pack, very close to the top, obviously, but they're still in the pack. So that does bring a new dimension to it, and it brings a new dimension in the sense of well, how, will, how will Dublin react to this challenge? Um, will it, will, was it merely a blip last year? You know, in fairness, they did lose to Mayo an extra time um, in, the, in the Ireland semi-final. There's always a tendency to write off a team after a long, long run, like, as they had, or any team that's really going well, and then when they lose a championship match, people say, oh, it's just the beginning of the end or the end or whatever. That has supposed happened to some degree with Dublin, possibly exaggerated. But I think Dublin's how Dublin will react, uh, how many changes, how how does he changes the the panel, the team, the structure, the approach, or does he change it to what degree? I think that is uh, one of the most fascinating uh, uh, things going into this league. Yeah, Colin, maybe just to stay on Dublin for a second, you know, the, the, certainly the bench they used against Mayo in last year's All-Ireland semi-final wasn't maybe of the same calibre that Jim Gavin was able to roll out at some crucial junctures during his tenure. Do you think there is new blood there that Desi Farrell can bring in for this campaign and help supplement kind of some of the key guys they have there and like Kieran Kilkenny and Brian Fenton? Uh, I think it's probably an established fact, although I, maybe I shouldn't describe it as a fact, but it's ge- general consensus and probably what I've seen from Dublin underage teams over the last number of years is that the quality probably isn't as good and, and, and probably couldn't be as good as it was in those previous years. Kieran Kilkenny, Con O'Callaghan were absolute stars on All-Ireland under-21 winning teams in their time. You could see them coming a long way off. You could see, obviously, Jack McCaffrey and... Paul Mannion as well, players like that. Maybe not so much Brian Fenton. He was more of a late developer uh, in, in those terms. So, you know, he did play with the 2014 under-21 under, under 21 winning team and uh, he graduated and he really took off, obviously, at senior level after that. But the likes of Kilkenny, McCaffrey, O'Callaghan, Mannion, you could just see them coming. But you don't see those same quality of players coming now. Having said that, I think after the O'Byrne Cup campaign, can you gauge from that? Certainly Sean Bulge. Bugler looks like a player that's going to have a, a very productive league campaign. Tom Lahiff looked a lot better than maybe he did last year in his first year as well. And I have to say, I've been impressed with the little bit I've seen from, from Lee Gannon as well. He looks a very, very solid defensive player in an area. And all three, uh, Bugler played quite a bit at half back, and so did Lahiff in the, in the O'Byrne Cup. These are areas that Dublin really need to, uh, to concentrate on in terms of getting cover. So from that point of view, it's probably a productive pre-season, a more productive pre-season than perhaps Dublin have had for some time. Well, just to jump in on something Martin was saying there, I do think it's fascinating. Like the last time Dublin were beaten in a championship game was uh, before Mayo last year, it was Donegal in 14. And I think Jim Gavin had a, a big meeting in the Gibson the next day where they're meeting for four or five hours and they essentially changed the way they were going to play and the way they were going to set up. And, they, you know, they weren't beaten in a championship game again until last year. 
And then you're kind of thinking, like, is there going to be, I, I don't envisage that type of a reaction or that type of domination coming as a result of the Mayo defeat. But the parallels they probably draw is maybe with, with Kilkenny. When Kilkenny were beaten in 2013 by Cork, it looked like, it looked like maybe uh, with a lot of their, uh, you know, real marquee players, like the Tommy Walsh, Henry, JJ, uh, knocking on a bit, it looked like maybe that was the end. And they were still able to come back and win two All-Irelands in 14 and even in 15, and fair enough, they haven't won one since. But I would be expecting that sort of a reaction from Dublin. I still think there's an All-Ireland or two possibly left in this team, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see uh, their reaction this year. Will, will that defeat, as Martin says, it can, a defeat can almost um, send people maybe running away with themselves. They were going for seven in a row last year, and now all of a sudden a lot of people are potentially writing them off. So I think the reaction is going to be fascinating this year. Michael, the other point, Michael, there, and you mentioned um, Kilkenny, go back a bit further and go back to Kerry in 1982 when they lost to Offaly. It was much the same. And in 1983, beaten by Cork to another last-minute goal, Tyke Murphy. And certainly after 83, people were saying, well, that's the end of that Kerry team. And 82, they say, well, caught by a late goal, blah, blah, etc. But 83, people said, hmm, he should be, Mikko should be making changes now. He didn't, he made damn all changes. What happened? They won the next three in a row. So I think I think uh, that shows that the quality just, just doesn't disappear. And while Dublin were obviously didn't perform anywhere like the, the, to, to the peaks of, of previous years last season, uh, they certainly ain't gone away. And I, I think I think they'll be they will be absolutely driven at an incredible degree this year to 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 uh, the, get back on time. The other factor there is there were was it eight points up and. Uh, at one stage in the All-Ireland semi-final. They played so well in the first half of uh, last year's All-Ireland semi-final against Mayo. Uh, so you know, they, they, that is something to fall back on. Why They had a poor season by their standards and a poor season generally. In that particular game, they played a lot of good football. And as long as you have Brian Fenton and Kieran Kilkenny driving that team and bringing them along, I think they're among the best leaders the, games, the game has ever seen. And uh, I think it's a new challenge for them to try and revive a team that has lost. They're in a much different place now. And I think they will shoulder even a greater burden of responsibility to tr try and drive. And I think their next their next All-Ireland title and their quest for their next this All-Ireland title will, will be as important as anything they have done in their career so far. Fenton went, had an unblemished record up to last year. He didn't know what it was like to lose or how to react to a defeat. Kilkenny had very little experience of defeat either. He missed 2014, that Donegal match. And he was only in his first couple of championship games when Mayo beat them in 2012. So this is new experience for them. And they will see that. These two in particular will see this as a mission to drive Dublin and take them to the next stage. Just on that, Will, I do think that's fascinating. They've never really had a point to prove. And now they have a point to prove. And I think the reaction to that is going to be fascinating. Yeah, Michael, and lasting on Dublin, like, what about the off-field distractions of last season as well? You know, the, the, the breach of the COVID ban, all the questions around Stephen Cluxon have swirled around the campaign. You know, Eric Lowndes leaving kind of mid-season. There was constant questions about McCaffrey or Mannion. Will they come back? Won't they come back? That was massively distracting as well. Will it be an, em an emphasis by Desi Farrell this year to, to kind of keep all that kind of stuff out? Obviously, the Cluxon thing has been put to bed and, you know, McCaffrey and Mannion don't appear to be coming back either. So that maybe won't be as hot a topic, but there was a lot of noise around Dublin that, that we didn't see over the previous years. Yeah, very un-Dublin-like. Uh, the thing that really sticks with me is uh, even outside of the COVID breach and outside of all the Cl Stephen Cluxton talk was, you know, I think it was the week before 
they played Mayo. Uh, Billy McMahon came out with comments uh, where he said he actually wasn't sure of his availability for the All Ireland semi final due to uh, due to some soccer work that he was doing, and we could be out of the country. And I just thought, like that, kind of took me aback. It's, I don't think you ever would have heard a player coming out with something like that on, under Jim Gavin's watch, even if it was the truth, if he wasn't sure about his availability. So I definitely think they'll be um, a lot smarter, maybe even in their media engagement this year. And I don't think there'll be anything like the COVID breach did. Like Dublin are, you know, the pillar of Gaelic football. They're, you know, they're kind of like the beacon. Everybody, shy, everybody points to Dublin. They are the standard bearers. And that, you know, that kind of... Uh, Mystique was maybe uh, slightly damaged off the pitch last year uh, with various things that happened even before they kicked the ball. And I'd expect them to be very quiet about what they do this year and for there not to be any noise or a lot less noise off the pitch. Like Paul Mannion has already said he's not going to be involved for 2022. And he basically has said it to his, said it to his former teammates that he didn't want that to be a distraction. I don't expect there to be any off-field distractions like that this year. I think all eyes will be focused on trying to get their hands back on Sam Maguire again. And just not, not Jim Gavin ran a really tight ship in that regard. And I expect the, the reins to be pulled in very, very tight again this year. Yeah, Martin, and if you look at another team with a point to prove, Kerry, obviously Jack O'Connor going back in for his third stint and already in a bit of a statement of intent, using very strong teams in the preseason games, trying to hit the ground running. I know he said that there was unavailability for some other players he might have liked to have a look at. But, you know, from his point of view and from Kerry's point of view, what, what would you be looking to see from them in this league campaign to indicate they have maybe learned some of the lessons that, that maybe has kind of cost them in the last couple of years? Win it, I'd say. Well, for a start, I... Uh... I think when Jack came in, in the first time in 04 or, or at the end of 03, they won it in 04. I think the second time they, when he came in, they won it as well. So uh, I'd say they will be, uh, Jack will be go out straight out and attempt to win the league because it has been a hellish a few frustrating seasons. I mean, you know, they they um, would feel they should have beaten Dublin in the All Ireland final, uh, then losing to Cork in, in a bizarre game, really. I mean, how the hell they lost that game to Cork is, is a mystery. And then Last year, all they went down with the All Ireland semi final. So they feel that All Ireland finals and tags have been left behind them. So there's only one aim and one aim only, and that's to win the All Ireland. But in saying that, the, the, winning the league will be important to them because that will leave them in a much better position. That's where you go. You win every single game from now on if they can. I think that's what Jack will, will, will try to do. They're, they're, not, they're clearly not that far away. And I mean, we could be talk, have a completely different story if, if, the, if the All Ireland Championship had been run. In, in uh, the normal time schedule last year, for instance, I mean they could, and they they should have beaten Tyrone. They didn't, but they would they be all Ireland champions now? They aren't, of course. But I think they will be. It's it's this is the year. The, the, this is the year really for for Jack straight away, straight back, straight into it, and win the league and go ahead and win Munster, win the All Ireland. That's I think that's, that's the the triple target he'll have. Yeah, Colin, like for, from your point of view, is it just a slight tweak that Jack O'Connor needs to do? Is there meaningful kind of Tactical changes, like well, what are you looking from what he will need to do this year to get them over the line? I think he needs to get a, a midfield partnership. Uh, I won't say a more solid midfield partnership because obviously David Moran had a very good year last year. But you know, there must be question marks over David and his staying power over 70 minutes. So uh, his role may may change this year just to get a midfield partnership. And I think Dermot O'Connor... Is a player that's really going to step up this year. He's involved with his club in the Gale now in the closing stage of the All-Ireland Intermediate Championship. So he's not currently involved. But I see him becoming a, a much bigger player 
and you know becoming the maybe the more mobile partner for David Moore and David Moore likes to sit back a little bit more but I do think the construction of a new midfield partnership I think Stefano Cunbar while it's a little bit early for him after his time back he's a fantastic athlete he can play a part there too so something around the middle something new around midfield from Kerry for a start I think is one factor interesting that Jack O'Connor reached for Paddy Talley uh, that would be most uncarry like to reach for uh, a coach from from Ulster and specifically Tyrone. But clearly, it's something new, and they've tried for long enough in recent years uh, without success to get them over the line. It'd be interesting to see what he brings. Obviously, everybody will consider them to be more defensive. I don't think Kerry will play more defensive at all. In fact, I think they'll attack even more. But they might have a little bit better defensive awareness, and I think. The fullback position is critical for them too. Uh, Dylan Casey, the Austin Stacks captain, has been earmarked for that position. Again, a big jump for him just to come into a championship that's a, a campaign now that's already rolling. And I think you see the strength of the teams in the preseason competitions because of the split season and that the championship is uh, six weeks, starting six weeks earlier now. It's starting the third week in, uh, in April. So that's a big jump. It's uh, it's a big jump for a lot of teams. It obviously uh, changes the the preparation cycles, and you're going to need a, a lot of your best players on the pitch by the third and fourth rounds of the league, building up to the championship. Because there really isn't any time to not to be not to be hopping on that bus and getting on and taking off from there. So there isn't really a lot of time to be hanging around and deciding on who's coming back. It needs to be now, and I think you will see that in the early stages of the league. Yeah, Michael, that's why it's so interesting. Week two, we have Kerry versus Dublin. You know, it'll be a real interesting statement of intent to see who, who wins that game and the momentum shift it could give. I already saw Jack O'Connor mentioning the, the importance of early momentum in the league, as Colm says, given it's such a truncated schedule this year. Like, that's going to be a fascinating game. Yeah, it is. Uh, that would be a fascinating game. And even the first weekend against Kildare is fascinating because Jack was obviously there for the past two years. And I think while him going to Kerry... Um, might have uh, been a bit controversial at the time because he was actually, you know, in the Kildare job uh, while the process maybe was going on. It definitely shouldn't be forgotten, um, you know, the development he did with Kildare. And I think one point McCollum uh, made there about Paddy Talley is very interesting. Uh, in the second half of the 2020 Leinster semi-final against Mead, they conceded five goals. Throughout the whole of the 2021 season, they conceded two goals in the whole of the season, league and championship. So it's clear that uh, Jack is very has his finger definitely on the pulse with regards to uh, making changes defensively and putting a defensive structure in place as Kildare had last year. And you wouldn't say they were unbelievably defensive, definitely not. So uh, with Paddy Talley coming in and even uh, what Jack did in Kildare, it's going to be interesting to see. That would be the one you know, question mark you'd probably really have under, uh, on Kerry. What's their defensive structure going to be like? We know they have you know, some of the best forwards the game has ever seen and they're going to put up big scores, but it's conceding big scores at the other end that's probably the big worry. And I think Jack has made a statement fairly quickly in the McGrath Cup, put really, really strong teams out where possible. Uh, and another point that Colin said there about get, developing a midfield partnership, he's going to be under pressure for the first couple of rounds of the league. So he'll be without Stefan Ockenbar, Dermot O'Connor and Jack Barry. There's probably three potential midfielders. David Moran is on the sidelines at the moment as well. But the moment, like he had Sean O'Shea out the mid out midfield, and he had uh, I think it was Killian Spillane out midfield as well. So he's he wants to develop a midfield partnership going forward, 
but he's maybe already on the back foot in that regard because he won't have a lot of his front liners available. So he's, they're probably going to have to learn on their feet there in the first couple of rounds of the league. Um, and be interesting to see how other teams maybe go after that and inexperienced midfield in the first couple of rounds. But definitely think, as, as Martin says there, Jack is keen on hitting the ground running straight away, um, not leaving any doubt uh, within the minds of Kerry supporters even. They're trying to win every title they possibly can. They're putting out really, really strong teams where possible. And particularly the first couple of rounds are going to be fascinating from a Kerry point of view. As you say there, going up against Kildare and then coming up against Dublin week two. It's only week two of the league, but could that be a precursor for what would follow later on in the year? I would imagine they'd be definitely trying to make a statement for potential battles ahead. That fixture yeah, in Tralee has been, that fixture in Tralee in recent league uh, campaigns has been nearly the best game uh, of all. There was a draw down there in 2017 and just the atmosphere down there. And then Kerry went and won by a point early in 2019. And again, it probably it probably set the tone for what came later in the year with the two All-Ireland finals. So great atmosphere and a great contest. And I think that's that could be the game of the league, certainly one in, in terms of anticipation. Dublin going back down to Tralee for that fixture, uh, be watched with interest. Yeah, Saturday night under lights as well, which, which always adds a bit of spice. Uh, Martin, just one thing that Colin mentioned there about the kind of the split season and you know, teams maybe having to be geared up a little earlier than they would usually be. You know, I know it's something you've written about quite a lot. Like, you know, do you think that will play a huge part in the league? Are you expecting to look a lot different to what it ordinarily would because of the way the season is structured? Not, not really, no. I mean, I, I think counties have now got to or have come to understand that that getting it right in the league is, is absolutely uh, key to, to how you do in the, in the championship. There was a time that wasn't the case when, Teams uh, sort of coasted along the league and didn't begin the, the wind up until well into the spring. I think they'll want to come out of the league and full power and full throttle and and everything, every box ticked as far as possible. So I don't think they'll. I I, I think will if anything it, it might even enhance the league because they'll go for that. Counties will want to. There, there isn't much time to correct anything after the league, so you've got to get it right uh, right from the start of the league and right through the league and and be ready for for the championship. So championship. So I think it will actually. It will, it will actually enhance it. But one thing we haven't mentioned there was, I suppose, Tyrone. <laughs> they are all other champions. And, and how will they approach the league, for instance? I mean, will they, again, it'll be interesting. Do, do they say, we're well, right, retaining the All-Ireland. It's all about retaining the All-Ireland. I, I don't think they can do that either. I mean, if, if you do that, you can switch on, you can switch switch back on later in the year, particularly with the, the Ulster Championship. So I think it'll be, key, it'll be interesting to see how they, where they go flat out. Presumably they will. I think they should. I think that's the way the modern the modern game is now that you just got to be go for go for everything. But um, they are they are now the ones to be to be. I mean, uh, uh, the headlines now will be not if Dublin are beaten and not if Kerry are beaten. It's it's if Tyrone are beaten and any given Sunday for the next once the league starts. So it'll be very interesting to see what what what's coming out of of, of that camp. It was obviously quite surprising, Martin, to see a number of their players as All Ireland champions. You don't usually see that uh, a number of squad members have 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 left, have yeah. decided 2022 is not for them. Among them, Tiernan McCann, who was very prolific in their game. The game they obviously they had to win all their games last year, knockout. But again, second half against Donegal last year scored three points. And Mark Bradley was very influential in the the Ulster final. And you had two other players, Ronan O'Neill and Michael Cassidy, there was five players overall who left an All-Ireland winning squad. Normally, you would think that they would be really uh, setting about trying to reclaim a place. But I, I just thought it was unusual that so many players decided to leave an All-Ireland winning squad. 
It doesn't look great, does it? I mean, you, it, it, oh. uh, the, the optics aren't great, as you say. You think that they'll be on such a high that uh, even players who mightn't be starters or whatever, that they'll be such, on such a high. It, it is unusual and it is makes you wonder. There's no doubt about that. And then they lost the first the opening game to, uh, to Cavan in the McKenna Cup by 15 points. Now, we must qualify. They lost a league semi-final to Kerry by six goals and it didn't seem to, to impact them too greatly. Obviously, it didn't impact them greatly. In fact, it was a real turning point for them. But it's just something you never saw Dublin doing, going out and losing a pre-season match like that. In fact, they went and won it with their third team one year. I think it was 2016 or 2017. That's the year that Niall Scully emerged. But you just they're, they're, they're just small signs that I'm, I'm just not sure about it with regard to Toronto. There's a lot of good players at club level, very strong club uh, scene up there that they can always pull players through and develop them. But I just thought it was unusual that so many players departed an All-Ireland winning squad. Mm. And Michael, you know, in terms of the beaten finalists last year, Mayo, I know you were writing today about Aidan O'Shea and his role in the team heading into 2022, which is said to be one of the fascinating talking points. Like, obviously, keeping Oisín Mullen in the county is a massive boost. But, you know, how do you assess, you know, the state of them going into the league? Yeah, well, it's amazing. Like, if Oisín Mullen was in Australia, you might be, you know, the potential to be downbeat. And then you think he's going to be around again this year, one of the most dynamic players I'd say the game has seen in the last 10 or 15 years is really you know he's really the sort of fella that can kind of do anything and he can inspire a team and there's not usually too many uh, it's maybe like someone like Brian Lowen uh, for Clare back in the 90s who can inspire a team from so far back uh, and lift a team and he's definitely one then you look at you know they were missing their mo- the most prolific forward in the championships history last year in Killian O'Connor he's back on the mend and will feature um probably won't feature from the off but will feature over the coming months as well um i think the, the, the captaincy uh the captaincy change is interesting um i'd say for the first time in his career aiden o'shea is probably not a guaranteed starter for mayo um and some people would probably say that the writing was on the wall maybe with the captaincy change after he was taken off against dublin last year but it's going to be fascinating to see what sort of a role he plays. I, I do potentially think there's a fair chance that he could feature off the bench uh, in the last 15 or 20 minutes when a different focal point is needed. And that's a different focal point anywhere between, you know, 8 and 15, which is a great option for them to have. And he's obviously, you know, a monster of a man putting him in the edge of the square in the last 10 or 15 minutes, a la what, you know, Kerry did with, with Kieran Donaghy towards the ed- end of his career coming in uh, and making a big impact in games. So that's going to be interesting. Interesting as well, you know, it does look like James Horn is, um, I think it's a, nearly another changing of the guard again. Stephen Cohen going in as captain. Uh, and just on that, they couldn't have, you know, uh, a more lucky general in Stephen Cohen. He, he captained minor and under-21 All-Ireland winning teams, captain UCD to an All-Ireland Freshers title, to a Sigerson title as well. Um, he's one of their best players last year. Uh, maybe not really flashy, but always gets the job done in defence. Real good defensive positioning as well. And then even vice captains in Paddy Durkin and Tommy Conroy, maybe just a sign that they're, that they're going in a different direction or that maybe uh, they want these kind of, not necessarily younger players, but this new blood to be driving them forward. So it's going to be fascinating to see um, to see what they do this year. They're obviously back in Division 1, having spent a, a season in Division 2 as well. So... Like it might have seemed like they were very far away again after last year's All Ireland. All of a sudden, some off field things happen, and they get one of their best players back on board. So, like they're not going to be far away again this year. 
Yeah, Martin. Like, what, what's your view of where Mayo are at? Obviously, as Michael mentioned, you know, you know, losing that opportunity against Tyrone, where people probably had them slightly favoured to finally get over the line. Like that must have been a devastating blow. But you know, a couple of positive things in the off season and and, and a prime for another good year. Do you think? Yes, I mean, getting to an All Ireland final, um, it's not easy, and they've done it so often, and they haven't won it. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean they're on a very good team, and there's every reason that they will be in the top. Uh, have have you know the, the break will come sometime there's no doubt about that and it's 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 as likely to come now as it was in any any of the, of the other years so yeah i think they're they're, they're right in the mix and um they're certainly your favorites favorites in connacht i think there's no no doubt about that and you you, you couldn't see uh you'd certainly see them back in an Ireland semi-final and after that who knows mm. and just look looking kind of wrapping up on division one column like the, you know the rest of the teams you've Donegal, you have armagh you've kildare you have monaghan you know any of those teams in particular, are you interested to see how they go over the next couple of weeks? Uh, Donegal and Armagh have good forward lines. They've good sets of forwards. They can, Donegal can come up with a lot of variations of attackers. Uh, Armagh are developing a really, really strong attack. But I'd be concerned for both uh, uh, defences. Um, that's, that's one issue for them. Kildare obviously had a bad experience in the league uh, four years ago. In 2018, they lost they lost all their games, and that has been a factor for the promoted teams from Division Two. I think it's a 50% record that uh, at least one of them goes down the year they come up. So that puts them them in quite a perilous position. Obviously, they came up with Mayo. Mayo are a more established Division One team. It's a hard place to come up and establish roots. Monaghan did it in 2014. They came up, and this is their eighth season, and you can really see the benefits for the benefits for them. Thought they put in a very good first half and a bit of the second half in the McKenna Cup. Good performance. And then obviously Michael Murphy came on for Donegal. And just the worth and the value that Michael Murphy is to his team was not full view there in, in Oma last weekend. So Donegal, to me, they haven't gone back too much, but they're not progressing forward really in a way that would suggest that they would have a few years ago, certainly when they were winning those last couple of Ulster titles. They lost that game to Cavan in the Ulster final. And I, to me, they've been stuck in neutral since, notwithstanding that they lost Michael Murphy after he had missed a penalty in the first half of the Ulster semi-final last year. But they just seem to me like a team that has a little bit of defensive frailty and are stuck in neutral. They're not really progressing into that top four like I thought they might have. Um, I think I think Monaghan can... Uh, keep their place in Division 1 this year. I think they have a lot of new, you know, exciting players have come into it. Um, I think Kildare could be under pressure to to retain Division 1 status along with Armagh. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Kildare dream manager take rid of Glenn Ryan and all uh, his legendary teammates fare. And just looking at Division 2, Michael, you know, you have Derry, Down, Clare, Offaly, Galway, Mead, Roscommon and Cork and some very interesting storylines between, you know, Tommaso Shea going into Offaly, Keith Rickin taking over Cork and of Derry looked very good at times in the Rory Gallagher last year. You know, what, what teams in Division 2 are, are kind of catching your eye? A lot of them. I think it's an absolute shark tank. Um, like from an Offaly point of view, I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm kind of thinking, you know, where, where are we going to get the results that we need to, to stay up in Division 2? And I think it's going to be very, very difficult. Um, you just named out the team there. It's like Clare have been in Division 2 a long time. Cork, um, you know, a superpower, obviously. Down, Derry, Roscommon, Mead, Galway. Roscommon and Galway are spent, uh, you know, a decent bit of time um, in Division 1. Maybe Roscommon flip-flopping between Division 1 and Division 2. Mead were in Division 1 uh, recently as well. 
Um, it looks um, like w- you wouldn't be that surprised if the promoted teams, you know, had, you know, probably eight to nine points. They expect a lot of these to probably beat each other um, on different days. I think Derry's are a really interesting one. I think if they had a full hand available to them, they'd, they'd give a right good shot at getting promoted again or be there, thereabouts. But they might be under a tiny bit of pressure in the, the opening couple of rounds. Um, obviously, Chrissy McCaigan and, and Brendan Rogers and uh, Shane McGuigan and a few more only finished up with Schlock Neil last Sunday. So chances are they probably won't be playing the first two rounds. I think they're playing down at home and then awfully away. Maybe potentially they, they'll think that they can get a couple of results there. But if they do, if they do lose either of those two games, they might be under a bit of pressure. And then they have, uh, I think they have Cork at home in the third game. So that's going to be really interesting how they integrate a lot of their best players back into it after a long, uh, a long club hurling campaign. Galway is going to be interesting as well. Um, Galway were brilliant uh, in the first probably four to five games of Park Joyce's reign before COVID hit and they've been in a bit of a tailspin ever since. And they're going to have to try and t- turn things around too. So to me, this is probably the most uh, most intriguing division. Um, there's so many different things going on here. And as I said, I do expect a lot of these to, to beat each other. I'd say the one probably guarantee um, is that of all the teams in here, Clare will be probably consistent again and will be in around mid-table again under Colin Collins, as they always are. Mid-table slash fighting for promotion again. Um, but there's so many storylines here. This, this is to me, to me, is definitely the most intriguing of the four divisions. Yeah, Martin, and looking at some of the teams, you know, Galway and Mead, both of them stuck with their managers after, you know, disappointing seasons, Patrick Joyce and Andy McEntee getting another year. You know, they're under pressure, though, to, to, to deliver a good league campaign and to build confidence ahead of that championship. Oh, absolutely. I, I think as well, though, that I think in Garwin's Commons case, they would have felt that perhaps they were unlucky uh, to be relegated last year. It wasn't really a league last year, as we all recall. It was a, a mini blitz and then a playoff to... to so I think perhaps they would feel uh, feel a little bit unlucky to go down. But yeah, Galway means absolutely under uh, uh, under under pressure. I mean, the managers uh, 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 Andy McIntyre been there longer than Paulie Joyce, but like in, in Galway, their expect, expectations are high, and um, the only thing for them is they have they have Mayo on the first round of the championship. So that's <laughs> that's going to be some uh, some dogfight. But uh, first to try and get out of Division Two, it won't be that it won't be easy. I see Keith Rickon describing it as the the toughest Division 2 of all, of all time. Now, I'm not quite sure where that came from because there are two teams that come up from Division 3 and two come down. It's the same in that sense. That uh, And he's trying to play down Cork. Now, if we're to believe that, that's fine. But I think the Cork, Cork are an embarrassment, really. have been embarrassing you know, in the, the, over the last number of years. And Keith is now talking about, you know, we need to start and build and from, from the, for uh, see what we have and try to develop young footballers. But makes you wonder what's going on for the last four years then. I mean, the, why are they where they are now? It's, it's one of the great conundrums, I think, that the largest county, the biggest county in the country, and that they've dipped so badly from winning leagues, winning all Ireland's, and gone right down to Division Three, and then made no impact at all. Came back up, got back up to Division Two, but they're not among the favourites. And I think that's 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 one of the big ones that has to be that that, 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 that you know you just wonder how how are things gone so badly wrong in Cork, and are there any signs that they'll be on the way back? Not at the moment, I have to say. Otherwise, I think the other one would be. Uh, uh, Derry coming up. I, I agree with Michael. I think Derry, Derry went from Division 1 to Division 4 and then uh, over a period of years. But they tend to build, when they build back up, they can be quite dog. And I think they could, I think they could actually be a team that could, could win promotion. 
the, even though they did come from Division 3 last year. That happens sometimes. Westmead did it before. That, that happens. So I think Derry will be, will, will be one of the interesting ones. They're, they're, in the, they're, they're, they're well set up, and I think they, they know how to grind out as well. So I would, I would, I'd be keeping a very close watch on them. Yeah, Colin, I'll give you the last word in Division 2. You know, I know the lads have touched on a couple of the teams there. Like, what, What's the kind of the, the interesting storyline or, or the interesting team that, that you're looking forward to seeing? I, I think Division 2, to me, at the outset, and obviously these things change, I think it's clear, but I think Galway and Derry will, uh, will get promoted. Uh, I think they'll be better than all the other teams. Uh, Roscommon could be a little bit club-tied in the early stages, depending on Porrick Pierce. I, I give Porrick Pierce a great chance of... Uh, getting past Kilmacud this weekend, and that'll tie up the dailies for another two weeks and potentially take them out of the first, certainly the first two league games and maybe maybe a third one after that. And they, their intermediate championships, uh, champions and Fatelocks are in the uh, uh, intermediate semi-final as well, and that's the Murtas out. Now, while they have cover in attack, Roscommon, a little bit like I, I mentioned, Donegal and, uh, Donegal and Armagh, they're, they're a little bit suspect in defence, especially especially without the dailies. So that could leave them was common vulnerable. Me to have a few issues with missing players as well. Ronan Jones is out injured. He'd be one and Brian Menton. That'd be their key midfield partnership will not be playing in the early stages. Again, that leaves them vulnerable. I think they're a little bit, while they're not really going back, they're not progressing forward at a particularly fast pace either. Uh, so I see them being stuck in neutral as well. And then you have, as Martin alluded to Cork there, and certainly nothing uh, in last Saturday's game against Kerry suggested that they can kick on. Um, and you have Offaly, who are missing key players as well, even though they're just back up. Uh, they have players away. They have players injured. Uh, and uh, Clare are obviously the evergreen Clare in Division 2. They've been there since, I think it's 2017 now at this stage, that they, they this is their sixth campaign. Uh, so... I do think Galway and Derry. I like the look of Derry last year. I thought there was a ruthlessness about them until the key moment against Donegal. When, and that's something I think they will learn from when they, there was a reluctance really for anyone to pull the trigger in those final moments. But they were right there in that game. They're very well organised. They're well coached. Uh, I significantly change in uh, Galway captaincy as much as it was in Mayo. Uh, Sean Kelly and Matthew Tierney, two of their best young players, were put in there as captain and vice captain I think that was a statement from Porrick Joyce uh, in itself I do think there are good players can they be developed in time for Galway I think they probably can and themselves and Derry will progress mm. and Michael just quickly on Division 3 we have Limerick Longford Fermanagh Antrim Loud Leash Westmead and Wicklow and, and you know it's going to be crucial in terms of getting promoted from this division you know given the, the structure of the championship there's not too, there's not two obvious teams though I know Colin, you know Colin was saying there was maybe two in division 2 what do you make of division 3 it seems you know pretty evenly matched Westmead would probably jump out to me um aside from the the playoff against Cork last year I think they were only beaten nearly a score in any of the games they lost in division 2 last year um I do think Jack Cooney has got them into be they're a really solid side uh, on a given day who can, you know, obviously outside of maybe the Dubs and Tyrone and a couple other the real big hitters in Division One, they'd be very competitive. Uh, I think they'd be competitive again in Division Two, even if they were in it. Um Kieran Martin is back, he'd an Achilles injury last year. Uh, he'd be a massive addition to them. I they're probably they're probably the standout there for me. Like, like Antrim are coming up from from Division Four. Enda McGinley is the you know did a very good job last year, but that's a that's a big jump. Wicklow are lucky to survive in that in that uh, 
uh, relegation game against Cavan last year. Uh, Loud came up from Division 4. That's always uh, tricky. Longford, a new manager and maybe a couple of uh, experienced faces missing. Limerick are only recently up as well. Leash of a new manager in and maybe are in another another transition. I'd say I'd probably be looking at Westmead and Fermanagh, I'd say, would be the, would be the two for me. And that's maybe... Uh, you know, whoever goes down is probably the, in Division Two is probably the most likely likeliest to come back up. But those two are probably a small bit uh, a small bit ahead of the rest for me at the moment. And obviously, you have um, the Talton Cup comes into this as well. And you know, teams uh, the top sixteen been so getting into that top sixteen and getting up into Division Two is so important. So the two promoted teams definitely have uh, a huge huge carrot to play for there. But probably Westmead and Fermanagh just a, a step of a step above for me. Hmm. And Martin, I might give you the last word then, just on Division 4. You have Carlow, Cavan, Leitrim, London, Sligo, Tipperary, Waterford and Wexford. You know, it's, it's funny to think that two years ago, Cavan and Tipperary in the same day were provincial champions and now they're, you know, they're fighting in Division 4. Are they the two favourites for you to come out of that league? They have to be, but what on earth are they doing there? I, 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 okay, as, as I said earlier, with relegation perhaps and probably promotion too, it was a little bit... Uh, uh, Different with last year, so Cavan dipping down, but they still they still lost the playoff to to, to Wicklow. So yeah, Cavan, they, they wouldn't even see them. They would have think Division Three was. I mean, they were uh, is is too low for them. So they've got to sweep through this, winning every game really. And and Tipperary uh, should win six out of seven, perhaps. They, I can't see any of the other um, any of the other really uh, keeping pace with them. But certainly, it's it, Cavan should not should not be there. And it just shows you if, if your eye gets takes, taken off any ball league in the league. You can dip down very, very quickly. It's happened to other teams before, but Cavan have to have to start on the way up, and I think they will quite comfortably. Yeah, well, it's set up to be a very exciting couple of months, and we'll be with you every Monday up until the league finals. But for the moment, Martin, Colin, Michael, thanks so much for joining me. Sure, That's all we have time for on the Throw On Podcast in association with Allianz. We will be back next Monday with another show, and in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening, and goodbye. It's 30 years of Allianz supporting the leagues, and we're not done yet. Only the leagues, only the Allianz leagues.